Orgasmic Enlightenment, where the sexual and spiritual come together. I'm Kimanami, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach and a vaginal weightlifter. In this show, we explore all things intimate. I believe that our sexual energy is life force, creative energy, and we can use it to shape our worlds, strengthen our relationships, and self-actualize. I blend the most avant-garde information from neuroscience, ancient sexual practices like Tantra and Taoism, to renegade wellness modalities to show you how to create gourmet sex in your lives. Come one, come all. Marathon man, marathon cock. Today we are speaking with a marathon cock in all senses of the word. And not just a marathon cock, an ultra marathon cock. Anthony Kunkel is a Team USA national ultra marathon champion in the 50 mile and 100k races. He's also a well known biohacker who's always looking for a way to optimize his performance and stay at the top of his game. When he heard me say, you ought to be able to run a marathon after sex, well, that got his attention. (laughs) You will hear him speak about how he uses these techniques to harness and channel his sexual energy into his athletic career, logging some of his best races in the process. The question about whether having sex enhances or depletes an athlete, and in particular male ones, has been a cultural conversation, not just in modern times, but since ancient ones. Thousands of years ago, the Greek physicians Galen and Hippocrates talked about the cost of excessive spending of a man's seed and how it depleted his vital energy. And I'm sure you've heard in modern times the advice not to have sex before the big game. Here are two comments from high achievers, one an athlete and the other a creative. David Hay, champion boxer and non-wanker. I don't ejaculate for six weeks before the fight. No sex, no masturbation, no nothing. It releases too much tension. It releases a lot of minerals and nutrients that your body needs. And this is what Galen and Hippocrates used to say. And all that good stuff. And then it's not going to help you to fight. That's your chi. Get rid of that and you can feel your soul leaving you. Think about it. As soon as you release, your instinct is to go to sleep. You want a sandwich and a nice kip, and you don't want to feel like that in a boxing ring. And from Miles Davis, jazz legend and non-wanker. You can't come and then fight or play. You can't do it. When I get ready to come, I come, but I don't come and play. (laughs) And then he's being interviewed. And the interviewer says, explain that in layman's terms. And Miles says, ask Muhammad Ali. If he comes, he can't fight two minutes. Shit, he couldn't even whip me. Interviewer, would you fight Muhammad Ali under those conditions to prove your point? Miles Davis, you goddamn right I'd fight him, but he got a promise to fuck first. If he ain't gonna fuck, I ain't gonna fight. You give up all your energy when you come. I mean, you give up all of it. So if you're gonna fuck before a gig, how are you gonna give something when it's time to hit? Most of the opinions on this would suggest that you don't have sex at 
all before some kind of big event. The effects that most men feel after having sex are that they are drained of energy, which they mistake for relaxation, and so much so that they need to pass out and go to sleep in order to recover. Not only do they feel that immediately, but sensitive people and those highly attuned to their performance, whether athletically or creatively, can feel the difference for days and even weeks afterward. But the big Anami question isn't, are you having sex? It's, how are you having sex? In Anami land, you have lots and lots of sex before the big game, and you use your sexual energy to drive your performance. For those of you wondering about the question of official semen retention, well, my answer is that you can have the best of both worlds by learning how to orgasm without ejaculation. I go into more nuanced answers and practices in my salons, but that's the short answer. I have other podcasts that go fully into the issue and practice and (laughs) bliss of orgasm without ejaculation because yes, you can separate the two. You have all the pleasure of sex, but none of the come down. In fact, the opposite will happen. You will feel higher and more energized than ever. My big barometric question is always, does sex leave you feeling energized, rejuvenated, transformed, and like it changed your life? And that you can run a marathon after. If yes, you're doing it right. If no, you're doing it wrong. And all that to say that the purpose of sexual energy is to be used as super fuel, procreative energy in your life, quantum leaping anything that you want to channel it into. Most people waste that energy and they just dump it out of themselves and into the ethers or into a celebratory piece of toilet paper via a solid five-minute porn-inspired bust-one-out wank job. Everything I teach is about how to optimize your sexual experiences and learn how to use that energy as creative power. Again, this is the true purpose of sexual energy. And I always say, if you aren't making babies with it, then you can be shaping your life, your body, your art, and your career. You can infuse this life force power into every part of your existence. Anthony, our well-fucked all-star and epic supercock is here to share with you how it's done. Well-fucked all-stars. Hello, Anthony. It's great to see you. Yeah, Kim. Struggling with some technology, but hopefully we'll figure it out. So you, you tell a funny story where you came to my work or one of the things that really enticed you into my work is a comment that I often make where I say that people as a barometer of having good sex ought to feel energized and rejuvenated. And I even make the comment, you ought to want to go to the gym or run a marathon. And since you run marathons, you were like, oh, (laughs) this applies to me. So tell us about who you are, what you do, and what this work has done for you personally and as an elite athlete. Yeah, I mean, that's a massive question. I feel like I owe you a solid amount of my success. I've, I've been able to represent Team USA under the International Olympic Committee abroad. And that was as a result of winning the 50 mile national championships and the 100 kilometer national championships. So we're talking about six to seven hours of running, depending on, on just how fast you are for both of those. And 
yeah, so it seemed, it kind of seemed to be speaking my language to talk about endurance and spirituality and kind of experiencing transcendence through getting deeper and deeper and deeper into something that is, I don't know, on its surface simple, or at least not discussed the depths of in, in the Western world. And so I was kind of overwhelmed. At, I mean, initially I was underwhelmed with like sex, to be fair, because it was just kind of, it was shallow. It was like, oh, this is, why does everybody make such a big deal about this? And I just didn't, didn't get it the way that most people, I don't know, get into what we call sex in the modern world. And I figured there had to be more and trying to kind of like make heads or tails of a lot of the ancient wisdom on this didn't really meet me where I was. And then poof, I mean, quite a few years back, you know, I came across your work and you were really kind of breaking it down Barney style for me. So, so we could all kind of understand <laughs> these ideas of if we're, if, how, how do we generate this, this force, this life force and tap into something. And that was also very speaking to my language of, if you don't want to run a marathon after sex and you're doing it wrong, it's like, well, I would like to run a marathon before and after maybe. So this would be, this would be ideal. She's definitely speaking my language. So let's rage. I love it. So, and you know what you were saying about um, not even feeling that like keen on sex. And I think it's actually not that unusual or, or even unexpected in that the way sex is put out there in the world and if that was the model that people were following for how to have sex and how you ought to feel with sex I can kind of see that people might be like eh, when it comes to sex you can take it or leave it because like you're not being you're certainly not being shown it if you happen to find it on your own if you happen to explore on your own or explore with a partner then you might reach and find some of these levels but otherwise nothing really is put out there to show people the way in general, like in the mainstream and for the most of all the content that's out there. So, so tell me what happened. So you found this work, what were the particular things that you implemented that were really helpful for you? And then what did you notice as the differences both in your sex life and then obviously in your professional athletic life? Yeah, well, I immediately incorporated the three hour sex date, weekly sex date, which was I had to have been so all these hang on, all these concepts of marathon sex because I even talk about the three hour sex date marathon sex I use the word marathon in my work quite a bit so I love <laughs> okay so you implemented the three hour sex date yeah I think that's a crazy amount of time for the average person but I was coming at this with a, a kind of woo connected um elite athletes connection to my to my body and and i love i love being a body like i think a lot of people have a body and they kind of get to peace at having a body but like i i am a body i love being a body you know i love being a human i love being a man and so that's kind of the world that i was coming from so it was it was smooth i mean it was it was effortless it obviously takes two to tango but it was it was effortless for me to at the time uh, a partner that i had just say hey this is this is something that we should we should give a serious glance at and that was you know this was this was a fellow elite athlete in her own realm and so it was it was a pretty easy conversation to just say you know we're not going to do the athlete thing and make this a competition we're not going to wear watches in the bedroom or something but like we're going to we're going to set aside time and we're going to commit to to this and we're going to really dive in and see what we can do with all this and so that was a very i mean i would say it was an effortless transition for me to just kind of 
I mean, I think the first time I, I really kept track of, okay, let's just make sure that we, that we give this an honest try. It was like 90 minutes of really honest penetration going on. And it was just like, not, you know, not playing around. And it was incredibly profound. I mean, it was like, it was, it was immediately, I mean, within, I don't know, it, it's kind of like you say, where you present it as a possibility and people immediately go home and it clicks. And I was, yeah, I, I was, I was, we were able to go really profound places immediately where it's just like holding their face and just saying like, I got you just breathe this up, you know, soften into this. And like, I'm not going to stop and just like, boom. And just feeling like, yeah, I mean, as profound as anything that I've done, and I've done a lot of crazy things of, of feeling just this energetic um, fire being stoked and just, just putting energy into this, this wonderful female vessel and just getting flooded with energy back and just like enlivened and ready to take on the world. And then it's like this, that was, that had to have been, I don't know, a month before the best trail race I've ever had in my life. And it wasn't that it was outwardly competitive or that I beat anybody that I cared about. It was that I was careening off of switchbacks on Slick Rock and Moab, Utah and like laughing and scrambling through the screen and just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and like a, like, like a sled dog, just give me more, 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 more. And it was like, I, I had cultivated this in, in the bedroom. Right. So I had kind of clicked this, this joy that I already had and brought this truly orgasmic quality to it into that. And so I feel like the integration into my body, you just gave me permission to kind of integrate these disparate aspects of my humanity and put them together into something that I already love so much and might be disproportionately good at. Wow. That is amazing. So your sex life elevated, your athletic performance elevated. So what about the cliche that we've heard, and I'm sure you heard as an athlete where people talk about no fap or, Hey, no sex before the big game. And I would have my own answer for how to like what to do in that realm. But did you ever notice before, like having sex, not having sex before a big performance or a big, you know, a big meet or race? Like, did you ever, um, like, was that ever a consideration for you on your journey as an athlete before? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm known for my biohacking and my, my discipline to just say, I have a, I have a hunch that this might help me go a little faster. And so I'll just spend 90 days on something. And so like, I've definitely, I've done, you know, 90 day, no fat streaks and just kind of gone all in. And, but then even then I've added the, the testicle massage and the like kind of self attention, just, just to kind of keep that part of me alive and not just throw it into a closet, like a neglectful person. And yeah, I, it, it was on my radar, but it wasn't, it wasn't fully formed. And it was just, it seemed like such a cliche and I just, I wasn't quick to accept any of that. And that's probably for the better because then I was just primed to hear you say that, you know, you can, you could have loads of it the night before. And, and in fact, I, I do have a pretty funny story talking about the like orgasmic connection of, of these I had in my, so this is kind of an idiosyncratic conversation about the three hour sex dates, probably because as a professional athlete, I'm planning around my training instead of my normal life. So instead of like, we have to drop the kids off at soccer. It's like, well, I'm going to be dead on Monday because I'm going to kill myself with the training weekend. And then workout Wednesday is really important. So I'm going to be dead in the afternoon and dehydrated. So we should probably do Tuesdays. And so it's like I settled on Tuesdays purely for pragmatic training reasons. 
But then my Tuesdays became kind of the best day of the week where I would have, I would get up and have these, um, whatever it was, 7.30 to 10.30 roughly window of these extended sex dates and then go out for my run immediately after. And I was trying to maintain that, that wonderful kind of lower chakra serpent energy flowing up and down my torso and down my backside into my legs and bringing this orgasmic quality into my running. And what I was doing is every time I would step from my next goal race had a lot of gravel right in the middle of it. And so I said, that's going to be make or break time is the gravel for the middle marathon of this 50 mile race. And so I'm going to train myself to, I already love gravel and I'm going to train myself to have a visceral orgasmic response to running on gravel. And so I would, I would stoke that all up in the morning and, and just, you know, juggle the energy around my body. And then I would get all amped and I would drop from the pavement onto the gravel and I would feel it, feel it go through my body. And then sure enough on race day, boom, I, in my running log where I tend to say, I had so many milligrams of caffeine and consumed this grams of carbohydrate in this form and all this nerdy stuff. Instead, I said, a prayer in a world without God, period. And that was the log for the, for the note for one of America's most prestigious 50 mile races I and mean, the most prestigious 50 mile race in the world. And I ran my best time out of six years running it. And it was off of straight orgasmic joy. Wow. That is so amazing. I love that you were speaking this testament to these practices and the power and the vitality, the regenerative energy that I'm always talking about. That is our sexual energy when we can consciously tune into it and turn on with it. And consciously is the key, right? Like you're actually the way you just described that thinking about how you're going to cultivate that energy and use that energy and channel it into something even very specific. So, um, because it sounds, I mean, do you do other visualization practices within your preparation? Yeah, I'm I'm way out there. I, I've done I've done quite a few float tanks, sensory deprivation stuff. I've done day-long meditation retreats, nothing like 10-day or anything crazy. I've done plenty of three-hour meditations to to match the three-hour sex dates. I've done um loads of cold exposure. I've done loads of heat exposure. I love the sauna. Um, I love infrared. And so it, it all really, once you start seeing it all, it's going into the same box, then you can start training as if it's all the same thing. And, and so, yeah, I think it, it very quickly becomes hard to even articulate where the, where one thing separates and the other thing begins, because I'm bringing the same kind of curiosity and energy and cultivation into so many different things that I'm doing. But to answer your question, I'm, yeah, I'm doing a lot of different things and I'm, I'm bringing that same type of attitude to them. Mm -hmm. So what else have you noticed in terms of really amplifying your focus on sexual energy and channeling that consciously into your life in general and any other stories, athletically speaking, that you want to share? Oh, man, I love athletic stories. <laughs> yeah, we love them, too. Yeah, I think I think there was there was a funny little aside in a in an obstacle course racing media coverage right at a race where it was obstacle course running. So you're running and then you go through an obstacle and then you run again. And some of the obstacles are ice water and some of the obstacles are grip intensive and anywhere in between. And some of them are just mean for the sake of being mean. And I had packed this pair of black tights, short tights. And at some point I lost them and had to go with the gray ones and got dressed in the dark in the morning. 
and and I roll up to the start line and like my junk is so visible that like the first thing that the media man said is, you know, Anthony rolls up to the start line, dick swinging. And I was like, actually, yeah, why not? <laughs> and so I was like, well, I hope I didn't offend anyone's children, but like they knew what they were getting into. I mean, I'm going in and out of ice water. I'm not flexing on anybody here, <laughs> but yeah, it was, that felt so apropos because I did have my qualifying event for that world champs was actually one of my more bizarre stories of I had really been, been, you know, diving into like testicle massage and, and time to kind of really internalize my own physicality. And, you know, that's something that I do for 20 hours a week as an athlete anyway, but then to add an extra five hours on top of that or so seemed ideal. And it just hit something in me. And so I had like a lengthy session the day before. And then I ran this amazing six and a half hour race, um, was super sore because I wasn't super ready for all the obstacles and just crushed. I mean, I think the next competitor was two and a half hours behind and like, that's a huge, huge difference. And then I went home, went to sleep, was sore, was chafed, whatever, and had a wet dream that night. And it's like, I'm 31 years old. Like <laughs> that, that tells me that I'm, that it's validated that I'm actually like swimming in this stuff and bringing this into my, I would love to hear your opinion on this, obviously, but that's, that's what I took from it was that I'm bringing this kind of like full primal energy into this. And, and I'm big on that. That's, that's kind of the, the guiding principle for a lot of my things is if you can tap into hunger and feasting and, and sex and, and, you know, fighting and flighting and, and everything in between, if you can tap into these primal things, they're much bigger, bigger, more expansive sources than playing with a supplement, right. Or making some slight tweak to your workouts or something. It's like that kid is peanuts. That is nothing, you know, a couple sets of, you know, quarter mile repeats. till you throw up, who cares? It's like, if I can find bliss and joy and I can train myself to do it for, for hours and hours and hours, I'm going to be Teach you at any race. It doesn't matter what it is. I love that. And I think you've touched on something that's so important. I, that's one thing that's turned me off and actually just kind of kept me away from the whole biohacking community is like supplement mm -hmm. mania, device mania. Like I have no, it, to me, that's just, that's the opposite of actual biohacking. Like I know, you know, other people might focus on other things, but there's a huge amount of that. Right. And I've just had a total aversion to it. Cause I'm like, that's boring. <laughs> like I know it helps people sure. to sell their products, but there's no, to me, there's no real intelligence in that. Right. And it's very like buying into like this study shows this supplement. So I will think there's like the nothing primal about that. I love so much more what you're describing and implementing the sexual piece, like far and wide for all the decades I've been doing this work, you know, in whatever realm, the piece in, even even relationship counselors, right? Like people would come, to, it, the people omit the sexual piece. So people would come to me, couples, right? They'd be like, well, we went to this relationship therapist, but she said to us that she doesn't talk about sex. Fuck are you talking about? Right? You've got to be kidding me. So, and then people talk, you know, in all corners of well, now they are way, way, way more. You know, they they talking about sexuality and looking at sexuality, and every other person's a womb healer and a womb activator and whatever. But you know, that is not, but it's still in many ways, it's still a very taboo subject that people are petrified to talk about, right? Um, so the way that you fully embraced it and integrated it and recognized it as, yes, a primal energy source, if not the energy source, it is the energy source that creates yeah, exactly. all life. 
And the big irony is that the brainwashing has been so effective that people have bought into all of these taboos and shame around their sexuality, that they have this power source literally at their own fingertips, but they have no idea how to use it. They've been so effectively brainwashed and traumatized that they're separated from something that lives in their own body right? That they have the full channel to in their own body. So I love that you're doing the exact opposite of that and fully tuning into it and learning how to harness it in your activities and in your professional and like your athletic world. Yeah. That's something else I've resonated with, with what you talk about is I think if somebody could run, like I could run, you're not going to run for president of the U S if you could do what I could do, you're not going to, you're not going to, fight somebody over breadcrumbs or, or screw somebody over. If you had the liberation over your, over your body, if you could, if you could meet God on a weekly basis, you're not going to worry about most of the shit that we're told we're supposed to worry about. And so that's very much the, the unfuckwithable vibe right there that, that I think everyone's after. So without going into too much detail, what are some of the practices that you found are really essential for you? Like you mentioned three-hour sex dates, you mentioned testicle massage, um, is like conscious self-pleasuring part of that for you? Are you someone who does semen retention I or do you do orgasm without ejaculation? Like what are some of the things that are your go-to tools in terms of harvesting and channeling your sexual energy? I think the, I, I mentioned that I have done a 90 day streak before I might do another one. I might not, but the, the 90 day kind of no fap, when you add that into the, the conscious, do I still have you? There we go. Little, little this body. But when you add that into the conscious, whatever self or with a partner on top of that, it just makes so much more sense to me. I find that if I, people talk about a flat line with no fap where you just don't have any interest in anything. And if you can kind of keep that spark while it, while you're doing it, I think that's much better. And then obviously, so let like, me just like ask anybody, you, like, I think should. Yeah. For no fap, does that mean that you just are choosing not to ejaculate or you're practicing orgasm without ejaculation? What does that mean for you? Good point. It's definitely the, the strict is like no, no orgasm, no ejaculatory orgasm. So that's kind of, I think that as my base helped me kind of accidentally fall into these more full body orgasms where I'm focused on relaxing and moving things around and being fully present in what is, because the second you take orgasm off the table, it makes it so much easier to get into like a playfulness where you're not totally worried about some crescendo or some climax or, or whatever it is. And that opens, it it certainly opened me up to the idea that it could be so much more than that. And so that, that was the strict was just ejaculatory orgasm. I was like, I'm not going to ejaculate for 90 days, come hell or high water. And then tried to add in a certain amount of play, you know, self or partnered with their, um, yeah. And that's, I think that was the, the discipline that helped me get a, the breakthroughs that I've had was if you know that you can do that, then you can make the choice of, am I going to ejaculate? Am I going to not? And then even then, I think there's, there's something to, the modern male view of sex is something that's cheap. And when you have this long retention in this relationship with yourself, suddenly you're valuing that as much as you should. And so it's almost the, there's the trope that like men think their dick is some kind of a gift. And it's like, 
I think the average untrained one is not, but it's like, yeah, I do think that this, that this energy exchange is, is massive as, as big as anything that I'm aware of. And so diving into there and, and playing with all that. Yeah. That was kind of the, the discipline that I think that I needed to, to set up the platform for everything else. Right. So at least for you, there was a commitment that you weren't going to ejaculate. And then because you had that and you were still wanting to generate this energy and rev it up, you were exploring different kinds of activities. And then eventually that led into full body orgasms anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I had one non-ejaculatory orgasm totally on accident and kind of was like, whoa, like you have, you have to stop right now. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not sure what that was. And, and then lost my erection was like, am I done? Like, am I, am I spent? But, and I'm just describing this to my partner. Like it was like shooting down my quads and down the whole front of my legs and like up the backside of my body. It was like, what was that? <laughs> it was just one of those, one of those, I don't know, coming of age moments, maybe of like, I can do this. Coming of sexual age, perhaps. Yeah. Well, is there, are there any other stories? I love any of these stories that you have that relate to your sexual cultivation practices and then your output. Mm. Well, yeah, the, I think the, the dates leading into amazing runs and the, the races that I've had off of this have been, have been amazing. I, when I, when I won the 100 kilometer national championship and got auto entry for Team USA, and that's under the International Olympic Committee, and it was it was amazing. It's the pinnacle of of a certain corner of running as a sport. And the day that I did that, though, kind of made a mockery of the whole caring about any of that stuff because I spent five hours where I I did not have a single thought of any kind, and it's like that didn't happen on accident that happened because of lots of hours on the, on the meditation cushion and lots of hours having mindful movement and lots of hours with, with mindful sexual energy. And my whole posture felt, felt open. It felt like that season, it felt like I became aware of my body in four dimensions is how I like to say it. And I'm not sure if that's too woo woo for some people or not woo woo enough for others, but this idea that when I stand in a certain way and when I move in a certain way, or make special effects with the camera in a certain way that people receive that a certain way. And then I look at them and get that feedback and kind of not just three dimensions, but four dimensions. And then adding that to the expression of a race and running a race my own way and, and coming at it my own direction and making this kind of spiritual expression that people can look at and say, it's just some guy running in circles or can say he's really experiencing something profound or anywhere in between. And I think that that five hour period, if that's all I ever get for my running and I just, you know, ran a hundred thousand miles in my life and that was all I ever got, I would take it in a second. That's enough. That's adequate. And so everything from here feels like gravy and I have had incredible experiences from here. And so the, yeah, I mean, it, it really is just one more tool in our, in our toolbox but it is a severely powerful tool. And I would hundred percent agree that it's probably the primary tool. It's, it's the tool that everything else has to lean on or has to come from. And I had a, I guess you would call her a seer. I'm not sure what she would call herself, but a witch I think is a reasonable label. And it, with all due respect, she said, you're almost a master. She puts hands on me and she says, 
but your final lesson for mastery is receptivity. And that's, I, I had done this long period where I was like, I'm just going to be single and I'm just going to write morning pages and I'm just going to kind of discover myself here and kind of manifest what I want on purpose from here. And at that point I said, you know what, you know, what would help me be more receptive is like a woman, <laughs> but not just a woman, but a woman that loved being a woman. And I think that's something that I really struggled with not to digress too far, or maybe progress. I'm not sure, but I've with this idea that if I want someone that's an equal to grapple with and really grow with, then that ends up being this kind of like in her masculine boss bitch archetype, which like, I love them. They love me. It's all great. But if, if you're resenting the fact that you're a woman while I'm loving the fact that I'm a man, we're always going to have this tension and we're going to have this lack of clarity. That's just not going to click. And then yeah, it's just, it's created these, these issues. And I've just been playing the wrong game because for my whole life, nobody ever said, you know, even as clearly as your, as your beautiful podcast of like, here's how it is. Here's clarity. This is what it looks like. <laughs> it's like, boom, there's, it's a light switch. And so I think kind of leaning into that for this next chapter of my life, you know, I don't need somebody that's like outwardly successful. I need somebody that loves being a woman as much as I love being a man. And I wouldn't have found that out without your work. I would, that would have taken me another decade to figure that out. And maybe that's elementary level and embarrassing that it took me this long, but it's a one-way street. We'll figure it out. Not at all. I mean, that's so much the dominant messaging out there is for women to be more like men and even men to be more like women. And now for them to be nothing, for them to be non-binary or cut their genitals up. Like it's gotten fucking ridiculous, right? Like the level that the messaging that people may have gotten in decades past of this more like politically correct, you know, neutrality within relationships, you know, and erasing of these dynamic qualities that make women, women and men, men, the masculine, the masculine and the feminine, the feminine, where now it's just become a, a farce, you know, it, it's, it's so crazy. But um, I think that the polarity stuff, because it's so programmed, the anti-polarity is so programmed then yeah. at least it has been, I'd say for a lot of my lifetime and growing up and certainly like in other like newer generations, it's extreme, right? The anti-polarity information out there and programming. So um, that's why it's such a pleasure for me to speak so directly about it and free people up and help give them permission. And I think polarity too is one of those things that whenever people when you hear it, it's like a bell goes off inside of you. Something resonates deeply where you know instinctively this is true. This is the way it's meant to be. And that the other stuff has been filler and fluff and, you know, deterrence off of the path. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And it's, it's electric, right? It's like, there's something to I don't know. I'll give you another pat on the back here and say that it's it's really nice to know that I can live in my masculine and like I I am someone who through delusion or good luck feel like I know exactly what I'm here to do. I'm here to run fast, I'm here to run free, I'm here to move the world with my feet. You know, like actually put energy into mother nature here and into the planet and 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 really like move and groove and in my case I'm fortunate that it's physical movement. It's simple. It's crossing time and space. And that kind of energy, bringing that into like being a single male, for example, is very interesting on the polarity front. Yeah, I, I, I loved your phrasing with confidence because I do feel like it's one of those things where as, a, as an athlete, 
I've always liked the idea that I can build this. I, I, I compare it to building a house of cards. We can, we can have all of the supplementation and the right workouts in the right order. And then you're going to have an amazing race and you don't even know that it's coming. You're about to, you're about to whatever, meet God over the six hour or 24 hour, whatever it is, ultra and getting people into that position and having that same energy in like a dating setting is kind of mind blowing. The, the, the swagger that it gives me to be like, to be like, we could, you know, we could meet God right now. <laughs> like we're just, we're just walking around as if this normal world is even of all that consequence. And we're like this close to just crazy transcendental, transcendental things. And that kind of permeability with life of, you know, that, that's another one of those things that I discovered first in training. And then again, in kind of academia, and then again, in the sexual realm of how it feels to be so close, just this thin little veil of what we call normal life of, you know, exchanging money and time for goods and services or like, oh, I have to go fix my phone screen. <laughs> and then you, you meet God on the top of the mountain or you have mind blowing full body orgasms and you're like, none of that shit's even real. And so there's, there's something to that, that I think more and more people need to hear. And that was one of the things that, that drew me to be like, we should do a podcast. Like, let's package this for athletes. Let's put a little, let's put something on there. Like someone who knows something about running, let's talk about this because I've tried to have the conversations so many times and a training podcast just isn't the venue for it. And so. Oh, because this isn't relevant to training. It's been one of your biggest tools in training and people don't want you to talk about it because it sucks. Yeah, for sure. And because it's, it's empowering. I mean, I, I really do think that we censor crazy ultra endurance stuff the same way that we censor sex. And it's because if you, if people realize that they are infinitely powerful and that I'm not talented, I'm not a guru, I'm not some savant that can do something that you can't do. You can do a hundred percent of this. And that goes for the, for all of it. And if the average person realized that they wouldn't play the games anymore, they wouldn't, they wouldn't waste their time with all that BS. Yeah. So anything else that you'd like to share then, even as a message to athletes? I don't know. Dive down Kim's work, I guess. I've definitely sent you people. And yeah, even even my own Patreon, I can write all the stuff that can't, it's too juicy for social media. Um, at least in my world, I got to stay in the, kind of in the running world occasionally. And, you know, I want to digress into sacred sexuality or psychedelics or breath work or something, something way off the deep end, then I'll do that behind a paywall so that people can kind of support me instead of having to sell out to Nike. But I almost feel like that's the thing that needs to change. If if the athlete model changed first, you know, the elite sponsored athlete model changed first, I think it would do, it would really further the idea that the average athlete is not just, uh, is not just a runner. You know, you're not just using your body for this. You're kind of this integrated being. And so I think maybe, maybe that's an access point. Maybe that's something that in the next few years, I can kind of refine a little more and promulgate as I, as I see it. But the, I think if the athlete model changed where you liberated these elites to say this helped me or this helped me, I think that would, that would open the conversation to much wider than just like, I run real fast and wear these people's shoes. <laughs> like, that's not any value for anyone. Like that's not your life's goal. You're not on fire for adidas just because they pay your bills like this is ridiculous 
And so I have this idea of athlete as artist. And if I could see, I think if we saw more of that, you would be shocked at what some of these people have used on the high end, both in the, you know, Tantra world and, and everywhere else to kind of gain that edge. And they're not even allowed to talk about it even if they want to, because they're shackled by contracts. Wow. That's interesting because I'm sure, I mean, everyone would want to know, right? Like what's your secret to being in the top category of performance in the entire world? Yeah. Playing like a kid. I mean, that's a harder answer to accept as well. I think, I think when you tell people it's all play and it's wonderful and it's bliss and it's joy, and it took me six months to get here, that's still a harder answer than, well, I'm just grittier than you. I'm tough. Like everybody wants to hear that you're just tough and gritty and force against force. And, you know, dare I say toxically masculine instead of this like actual masculinity of being assured about yourself and being like, I'm going to go have fun and it's going to be effortless and I'm going to put my will on this. And if my body needs to breathe hard to do it, that's the cost of doing business. Excellent. So apart from your athletic performance, which is huge and the main focus of this, what have you noticed the changes have been in you as a person, as a man, like what kind of other changes have shown up in your life through activating and really consciously harnessing more of your sexual energy? I think that that certainty about that, that, that liberation of you know, again, we're living in this world where we don't want men to be men and we don't want women to be women. But I kind of think that women are this beautiful, em- empowered, like um, it's nature, right? Like that's as nature as nature gets. That's the, that's the nature and natural selection for humans. And so having that certainty in the kind of polarity and sexual realm definitely leads out into everything else. And colors everything else with this level of confidence of I can get anything done that I want to get done. And the, you know, defining, you know, we don't want it like triggers the codependency thing to define yourself by another person, but also like the validation of a woman and being able to activate a woman and being able to, to really kind of meet God together is super empowering. Just like being able to, to run as hard as you want for six hours, that it is one of those transcendental things that you can tell it's not just a crazy experience or not just a quirky aside to the human experience. It's like the thing. And you can tell that because when you see it, you don't unsee it because I'm suspect of a lot of these things of, all right, it was a crazy day, but, but what, what do I do with that? But when you can see something and you can't unsee it to me, that validates it. And so the, I think the certainty in my life and, and I've always kind of known what, what path I'm supposed to walk but having that certainty of like, I can do this. And not only that, but, um, you know, I, I can do literally anything that I want to do. It sounds like a cliche. I'm trying to avoid anything to, to play it out, but it's like, I, I, the world is open to me. I can take this, I can control this. I can do whatever I need to do with it because I'm coming at it from a place of I've mastered myself first. And so compared to that, playing some game better than other people is, is really it's peanuts. Amazing. What would you say are um, 
How can I say this? Like I asked you before about certain tools that you use that have been really helpful for you. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Like certain additional concepts in the work, practices that were really helpful for you for as you, guiding, as guiding ideas, ideas and techniques, perhaps? I think just the the idea that you're the anami guarantee of all women, all orgasms. I think that that was huge for me. That that all men, in. all orgasms, all men, all of that. Yeah, all people. All I think orgasms. I was more prepared. I think I was more prepared to hear that I was infinite than than a sexual partner would be infinite. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's just I've spent more time in my body. I guess. But this this idea of this energetic exchange really really fucking blew my mind. <laughs> the the idea of of you know holding someone who may or may not be like welling up with tears and just, and just giving it to her and just feeling this like energetic, um, like reflexology. I mean, really it's hard not to, not to talk about chakras here because we're talking about like lining up energetic, energetic points. And it's so, you know, my background is all biology. It's all very square, very Western, very, very whatever pragmatic, but then I'm not going to say that I can't thrust myself into, into a cervix and feel an explosion of energy that goes out of someone's body and into my body and fades over all this. And I think I, that's, that's something that all women, all orgasms, that certainty is like, okay, we can do this then. Cause if you're, if you're really giving her all you got and you're like, well, maybe not, maybe, maybe not. Maybe she can't, maybe she's one of those women who can't. He said, said, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm just as averse as you. I, I can't imagine how averse you must be after, after so many years of this, but like, oh, well, women just can't. And I'm like, no, they're just like the female version of death gripping themselves to, to, to whatever porn and, and all of this, all of these, this, this junk food really for, for what it is, this, this very tawdry use of something that's sacred and profound and, and wildly impactful to everything. So i I don't know, Kim. I'm I'm on the Kool Aid. Well, more. I mean, on that topic too, right? Like, I would think it would be empowering for you as someone and validating to what you already, how you already see the world, where you can conquer things that other people might think are unconquerable or or super difficult, and to hear simply that permission, right? Where you might have been like taken it as a as a fact, like, oh, some women can't have orgasms, or some women, because that's what people say, and that's become more of a popular chorus these days in these times when there's this whole like pat people on the head and we have to feel sorry for the the people who can't do this or that rather than empowering them and telling them um, everyone can. We used to do that like decades ago. That was what America was actually famous for, right? It's like anyone can work hard and achieve any goal. And that's completely gone out the window. Um, I, I made... A, co- a comment once I said lube and the demise of the American dream, like that, like even the idea of needing lube is like akin to this dumbing down of people's potential in America these days, rather than like, no, yeah. anyone can get to these places. They just have to yeah, buy something, out. buy something. So um, I love, yeah, I love that that was a big, 
a permission giver for you that then, yeah, that's possible for all women to get to these places and that you just have to hold them. Well, there's a number of things to do to get them there, but holding them through it and having that sure and sure that certainty is huge. Yeah. And nothing could be more, more validating to, I think the deepest part of you as a man to have a woman just like totally, totally accept that and just, you know, take me where you will and (laughs) all the way to the top (laughs) and beyond. Yeah. Thank you, Anthony. I so enjoyed hearing about this and I love the way that you express it. You're very articulate and insightful with it. I appreciate it, Kim. You're enough of an idol of mine to intimidate me. So glad to hear it landed. Wow. So this has been one of my favorite interviews. I love, love, love hearing how people are using their sexual energy to up-level their lives. And this is a phenomenal example of it. My life's work is showing people exactly how to do this. And like we said, anyone can. Anyone can learn how to do these things and how to have these life-altering experiences even you. Sexual Mastery for Men, or SMM as we like to call it, opens next week. The techniques that Anthony spoke about from the breathing exercises and testicle massage to embracing his masculine energy and polarity are all things I teach in SMM. In my signature eight-week online salon for men, we cover superstar stamina to go the distance, breathing techniques to help you last as long as you want, practices to channel your sexual energy into anything and everything from sports to business to creativity, testicle massage for boosting testosterone, techniques for bringing her to G-spot, squirting, and cervical orgasms that not only feed her, but also you, and how to occupy your uber-masculine energy in bed and in life, and so much more. The salon opens for registration next week. In the meantime, you can sign up for my 7 Days to Supercock series. Go to kimanami.com, click on Sexual Savant Salons, and then on Sexual Mastery for Men. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe and also leave a review and send someone else the gift of a healthy libido and an off the charts love life by sharing this episode with them. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, many happy orgasms.